0: So good to be back amongst you, uh, seeing many familiar faces from the last time that I was here, uh, as well as uh, some new faces as well. Um, God bless you. It's been an incredible morning this morning, and I've just loved the the synergy of what God has been saying through the worship, uh, even through Nigel's word this morning. There is such significance in the scripture that we've just heard this morning that speaks to uh, the importance of an individual being poor in spirit and keeping their eyes upon God in that. But it's, uh, it's great to be back amongst you after a few months. Um, I really appreciate the invitation uh, to come back. Um, and when I was here the last time uh, towards the end of the year, I wondered if, if anyone can remember what it was that I spoke to. Now Leslie and Sue have got to keep quiet because I was talking to them about it beforehand. But can anyone remember what I was sharing the last time, oh, something to do with shoes, that's sandals. That's right. That's it. The sandals of the gospel of peace, and uh, and how we, as the body of Christ, are called to stand firm, and uh, and to be strong in the knowledge of of, uh, of of the firm foundation that the gospel of the sandals uh, brings to us. Um, and uh, uh, what I what I loved uh, about what God was doing back then in in giving me the word for for you then is is that I feel today is a word of of continuation off the back of of that message, Uh, particularly wanting to speak about not only do we have this this gospel of peace that we get the opportunity to stand firm in, know that it stands the test of time, but also that we have been called to perfect peace. And so uh, I love the fact that Jonathan last week. Um, I, I occasionally are able to go online and, and listen to, to your messages and last week he was speaking about the significance of walking by faith and not by sight. And you know we know that even in these particular times there's a lot that we can see that is going on within our world that actually doesn't in, you know, give us a lot of peace or a lot of thought of peace. You only have to spend five minutes watching the news and you think, goodness me, is it worth even getting out of bed today? I mean, uh, this morning my, t- my peace was tested as I was coming round the Redbridge Roundabout and uh, Gans Hill Roundabout. There's, there's very precarious kind of lane changes that tend to happen and your peace can be rocked in, in that instance. Um, I'm not going to trivialise what, uh, what are happening in people's lives this morning, but there, there is every, um, every turn uh, of our day um, has an opportunity for our, our peace to be tested. And yet, the Lord Jesus today has a word for, for you and I that uh, we are called to perfect peace. And uh, God calls us to perfect peace for our lives because, you know, we can... We can be aware that even in, 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 in this modern age, I, I, I heard recently that the Mental Health Foundation uh, reported a study last year that on average 37.1% of women and, and 29.9% of men reported high levels of anxiety on the basis of the way in which the world is, is headed. And uh, I don't know if anybody's heard of the Doomsday Clock as well, that got started back in 1947. In the space of just 10 years, guys, 2015, it was at about three minutes. Now it's at 90 seconds. We're 90 seconds away, apparently, from self-annihilation because of the way in which we've uh, gone down a particular path of, of, of setting this world up. And, you know, it's cheery statistics, I know, but yet Jesus knowing very well what's going on, knowing very well what is about to happen in both our lives and what is ahead for this nation, for the countries of this incredible earth. He so knows what's ahead of us and, and what to come. It's faithful to deliver peace to us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And this is how we know. And before I, I jump into the scripture, which um, Leslie read so brilliantly this morning, you did great with all those all those names. I mean, honestly, that's why I handed you the responsibility rather than taking it myself. Um, I want to remind us as, um, as we go to the... Oh, sorry, have I gone to the wrong way? Apologies, Hippo. I pressed down and should have pressed up, should I? <laughs> I want to just remind us of um, uh, of what... Jesus said to his disciples, so I should go up. Oh, I, I'm pointing it in the wrong direction. I've done it again, haven't I? I'll let you, do you know what, I'll let you control it. Is that all right? Bless you. Um, remind us of what he said to his disciples in John 14, verse 26 to 7. That an advocate has been sent to both you and I from the Father, whom we can seek him and we can build relationship with him and will teach us and remind us of all the things that Christ has revealed of who we are and how he desires us to be in and throughout the trials of our life. He says, my peace I leave you, peace I give to you, for I I do not give as the world gives. And so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And what an encouraging word that is from, straight from the mouth of the Saviour. And yet it's fascinating, isn't it, that the fruition of that word wasn't to come to the disciples until Pentecost when they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. But praise God that we have that for ourselves now. We're living in that moment where the Holy Spirit is for us and can teach us and guide us through such trials, through such uh, difficult situations. And so to our scripture today, where I want to pull out just six key tools that will help us to daily walk out what this call to perfect peace that Christ offers us is available. Now, Jehoshaphat, I think is a, an incredible character to, to unpack. He was by no means the, the perfect king, which in a sense I think makes him a perfect candidate for us to to look at today. I'm not perfect, you guys will admit to not being perfect yourselves, but he made bad judgment calls as a, as a king in in terms of who to align himself with. He aligned himself with the king of Israel, Ahab, who attempted in essence to try and Get Jehoshaphat killed on the uh, on the uh, on the battle uh, field, Um, and then various other trades uh, with uh, with future kings of Israel, which didn't work out in his favour. So he made bad judgment calls. But one redeeming feature that one we will touch upon today, in which the the prophets of the time uh, recognised within him, was that he was a a man who set his heart upon seeking the Lord at all times. And so in this particular situation we have um, the Moabites, the Ammonites and the Munites who are coming to wage war against Jehoshaphat. It doesn't even necessarily say the land of, of Judah, they were pinpointed against this individual. And as we read, if you read a little bit earlier, I think it's quite fascinating that that this uh, attack was coming upon him shortly after a point where he was setting judges, putting people of, of distinction in place to help delegate his kingdom. He had set up a, a, a strong structure in which the people of Judah would be focused upon the Lord, in which their hearts would be set upon him, and there would be people who could help to, to deliver those judgments, deliver the law, and to communicate that. And so we have this, these vast armies that are coming up against him, and his, his kingdom was under an imminent attack from these great kingdoms. And those kingdoms were a great multitude, it says, which needless to say meant that Jehoshaphat and his people were outnumbered and outmatched in that space. It was humanly impossible for Judah to, to defeat These three kingdoms, and if you've ever been in a situation in which you felt just completely overwhelmed by pressures, then I think you have an idea of what Jehoshaphat's predicament was, and you can see Jehoshaphat's initial reaction to the news of the potential confrontation was to fear, and I think that's important that the word uh, the word of God uh, establishes that. you know, it says in in my word, alarmed, Jehoshaphat responded. He responded with this alarm, a normal and and common human response to such circumstances. And this is just the effect that our enemies, the effect that things and trials of of this world hoped to do in, in and their menacing disposition towards us is to have this effect of fear. The idea is to stir as much fear as possible in us as to make us balk in those unbearable pressures. But it's precisely at this point that the battle is either won or it's lost depending on what choices that we make. If we go to the next slide. ah, oh, Forward, this right. Yes, thank you Lord. But here's the thing, Jehoshaphat did not bury his fear, but he was quick to address it. And we see that in verse verse 3, how he was alarmed and yet his first place prerogative was to resolve it by inquiring of the Lord. Jehoshaphat turned to the Lord in his time of need because he knew that God was the solution and not the cause of the problem. And I think there are times in our lives where you and I have got to come to this place of of knowing that beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God is not the source of our problems, but the only solution that we have to them. And the question should not be, you know, I I minister with a lot of people and disciple uh, individually, and, and often the question can be, why God? Why am I in this situation? Why is, is this happening to my family member? or why is, why is this going on? And I always say to them, we need to shift our focus from the why. But actually, how do you want me, Lord, to respond in this situation? God may allow circumstances to arise in order to see how we will respond and whether we will choose him in those difficult situations and Jehoshaphat in this place knew that the best way to address it was to inquire of the Lord and he calls the whole community to do the very same thing through prayer and through fasting and I don't know about you in in the situations that you're experiencing right now, who do you call upon to join you in those times where there is a lack of peace, when you are Hungry to see what God is is doing. I have some incredible brothers in my life who I can call upon in the in the blink of a, uh, of, of a of a dial to to say, "Hey, guys, can you can you pray with me in this particular situation? Because I'm I'm feeling robbed of of peace, and yet." This is the very thing that we we witness with Jehoshaphat in bringing the people together, in in calling an opportunity to pray and to fast. There is an opportunity to obtain the peace of the Lord in that space. What I love to see is that as he calls the people together to pray, it's young and old. It's everybody. The kids are involved. The, the elders are involved. The, the full um, picture of Judah coming together in this particular space. And Jehoshaphat, as he declares to God, the, the words in his prayer to the Lord are so crucial even to us because there is such vulnerability and submission to God, which I think really ignites and allows for peace to flow not only in him, as we will see in a little bit into the whole of, of Judah and, and the community within that. He declares who God is and the covenant that, that God holds between, between him and the people of, of Judah and the people of Israel. And the very same thing Jesus taught us in, uh, in, in the ways of how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name recognition of that as we pray and as we we lift the name of god that there is covenant relationship there is intimacy that god is is so desperate for us to grab hold of that in those times of of uncertainty in those times when we don't know what to do just the reminder for us in our own spirits that he is close that he is intimate that he holds covenant with you and with i can help to shift our perspective onto what he sees in the situation rather than the way in which we see. And Jehoshaphat prays in earnestness. He prays honestly and he prays humbly. And I love that in verse 12, we see just the the extent of his vulnerability and submission to God. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do. We don't hold the answers. But you know what? Our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon you. I'm going to share a a story with you, and it's quite helpful. My parents are in the house with me today. It's great to have them here. Um, My brother and uh, (coughs) sister-in-law were uh, were married for uh, a number of years before they decided to uh, that they wanted to have a child. But um, as I'm sure you know, many of you will have experienced in, in your own lives and, or friends or family, they had difficulties. They had difficulties in, in conceiving and uh, were incredibly blessed um, within the family to be able to go through IVF treatment and, uh, and support and, and medical care uh, to be able to see um, fruition happen within that. They, they lost a number of children. Along the way, which was of course difficult for them, and came to this the the very last bit of treatment of of IVF, um, which initially they knew was was about to work. My wife and I were living out in New Zealand at the particular time in which we we heard this information. They were probably about three months or so pregnant at this particular time. And I get a call from my dad uh, in the early hours. Uh, of the morning to inform me that my sister-in-law had been taken into hospital with bleeding and in that moment you're just like oh lord this is this is the last chance this is the last opportunity that they have for for a child and um and so dad was just sort of saying calling me to to pray in that particular time And just like Jehoshaphat experienced with with the people, this was probably one of the first times that I consciously and individually made that decision to fast um, before the Lord. And many occasions with the church and, and in a church community setting to come together to pray and fast. But in this instance, I knew that I needed to put priority into this situation and to pray and to fast for the day, and it was an incredible time of, of worship, a lot of interceding. Emma will describe to you like I'm sort of standing <laughs> and I'm walking up and down in our flat, just asking deep, heartfelt prayers for resolution into this particular situation. And the Lord distinctly spoke to me in that time and said, Simon, do you, do you trust me? Do you trust me in the impossible? Do you trust me? that I am in control of all things because I'm teaching your brother I'm teaching your sister-in-law in in this same situation to do the very same. And I said, yes, Lord, I I trust you in that. And I I worshipped and I took that opportunity that very evening to just break the fast with communion and to uh, break bread and and to drink of the cup. And uh, I distinctly remember the following morning, the phone call coming from my dad saying Simon I don't know what has happened but in the space of the 24 hours there's no problem with the baby the baby is, is growing strong the great baby is growing healthy and right now <laughs> I have the blessing of a niece <laughs> she's 11 years old she's beautiful, she's vibrant she's absolutely on fire and I'm saying to you this morning that the opportunities that we have to be vulnerable to submit to his ways because his ways are not our ways and the beauty and the way in which he works draws us closer into his presence requires us to nine times out of ten fall on our knees (laughs) to say look God I'm not in control of this situation I don't know what's to come but you see the bigger picture and in the bigger picture (laughs) I get to enjoy this incredible child. The third thing is that it's so important that as we are in prayer, as we are in devotion and time to the Lord, that we give God time and space to speak. And I love how in verse verse 14 we hear how the Spirit of the Lord comes upon this gentleman by the name of Jehaziel. Now he's not someone who, you know, In all my research that I've done of this particular gentleman, he's not someone that we see has any particular prominence. He was potentially a Levite musician. We know that he's fifth generation uh, uh, Levite in this particular place. But he holds no stature, no title or position, but just someone who's wanting to hear from the Lord and respond in obedience. And yet his name is so significant. Jahazar means to see and El means God. And that premise that God saw, God observed as Jehoshaphat was praying in earnestness, as he was pouring his heart out to the Lord, as he was reminding God of the covenant that was in place, God sees and delivers through a man called God Sees. (laughs) How incredible. God looks upon him and the people and responds to their devotion and humility to look to him and speaks through this man to encourage and to bring peace. And um, I just want want to use an example. Recently, my wife and I have had the privilege of uh, becoming part of a a youth ministry, which is based in, in East London called XL Youth. Uh, we felt it was a call upon a uh, call from the Lord at the beginning of last year, and uh, we weren't being disobedient, but we were just trying to figure out how we were going to be part of this process because we we know and we we understand the importance of the next generation, our young people, and what it what it means. Because if we, if we don't have them, where is the future of the church lie? And um, we started working with these incredible young people uh, on the. Yeah, on the left here, we've got Karen and uh, Christiana, Matthew, uh, Kemi, and uh, and uh, Flo as well on the far right-hand side. And it's just a, an example of some of the young people that we're working with at the moment. And a few weeks ago, I led them in what it means to, uh, and what it looks like to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we just took that time to allow his voice to speak. We had some music just playing in the background, similar to how Nigel plays wonderfully. And I gave them just a sheet in order to write down a few key things, a location, a name, um, what it is that they may need praying for, and something obscure, something bizarre. um, Because the Lord can sometimes drop words into our spirit that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. And yet they can have such significance to an individual when when you share it with them. So we spent um, around 15 minutes. And you know, if you get a youth off their phone for 15 minutes, you're on to a winner, right? You've done quite well in that particular space. And so uh, we gathered together at the end. And each of the, the kids started to share just what it was that they felt that the Lord was saying. And one young man came out and said, Surgery. And another young gentleman came out and said, I see a, a picture of, you know, one of those um, uh, um, those suits that, uh, of, of metal that we would usually wear underwater back in the old days with the massive helmets, the big circular helmets. And then uh, uh, another um, individual said, uh, restored to full strength. And as these words were starting to pour out, Kieran, on the left-hand side, she's like, eyes wide open, what on earth is going on here in this situation. And she starts grabbing the pieces of paper just to check what it is that they were saying was actually written down on the piece of paper. Because she, in that very moment, said, guys, I've got to bring something to you. In this current season, I'm, I'm awaiting information for some very important surgery to happen in my life. I've got scoliosis. And my back is in tatters. And there are moments where I feel so incredibly heavy to try and walk, to try and lift my legs. And the, the difficulty of that brings me such pain and discomfort. And I, I'm very wary as well in my own clothes because of the, the, the bend in the, in the spine and, and so forth. And as she's beginning to share, she's just breaking down because she knows that the Holy Spirit is speaking in and through her friends in that space. And we just took that off. Op- beautiful opportunity just to pray for her. She still is yet to find out when her operation is going to be. But what an incredible opportunity that when we allow the voice of the Holy Spirit, when we allow God to speak, instead of rambling off all of our fears and all of our worries in that very instance, but actually laying it before him and allowing him to reveal what it is that he wants to say, that God would speak, God would minister. And in that we saw such a a change in her Disposition. She was worried, she was concerned, but she left with such joy and such expectation that God, who revealed himself through a number of her friends, is going to be with her every step of the way through the, through the surgery and out the other side. And that is, that is our, our prayer. Who are we listening to in the midst of fear? The voice of God can come from the most unexpected of sources. And that's what I love about the fact that we have this young man, Jehaziel, who is mentioned. It can come from anybody. It can come from one of you. Today. And it's the most unexpected of sources. And yet a heart which is submitted to his will in that moment can bring power and boldness in the spirit to teach us to rest in God. And to rely upon him and to not be afraid or discouraged. The next thing is that the battle is not yours, but it's God's. I love how the word that is delivered by Jahaziel is so distinct. It says, don't be (coughs) afraid, discouraged of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. But then the next thing he says is instruction. Tomorrow, march down against them. Go to the pass of Ziz and you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle but take up your position. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will give you. I love that because it's, <clears throat> it's a realisation that we can let him do the work but the call of the Lord was to not just you know, sit down and have a cup of tea and put our feet up and relax and go, oh, that's all right. God's got it. <laughs> He's in control. He actually invites by taking the hand of the people and says, I want to still take you to the place where you'll come face to face with this army. So he doesn't make it devoid of us going through these situations. Last week I was preaching at my church about pressure cooker tests and how pressure tests that happen in our lives are placed there to, to refine us and to see what is established. And so in this very word, the Lord is still saying, look, I want you to go out and face them. Face the armies that are before you. But you won't have to fight. But I want to do this so that you can see the work which I'm doing in your life. I want to, to show you the mightiness of my power. I want to reveal to you that I am faithful through every generation, that I'm faithful to your situations. And that is a a massive encouragement to us to not sit on our laurels, but to engage in the very processes of what God is trying to teach us through those trials. <clears throat> I remember distinctly when my firstborn was born, Olive um was born in, in Wellington in New Zealand and had the privilege of having my mother-in-law in, in the same room as me. And Rose is just outstanding. Um, she has a, a long history uh, within hospital and hospital care as it is. But she taught me something very important. And I, I don't know if any other men here who have witnessed their child being born in in the same situation. But she said, Simon, you make sure that you get down to the business end. <laughs> whilst it's going on because this is the work that your wife is doing right now and I remember we were, Emma, Emma was shattered both my children have been swines when it comes to long births and actually coming out but Olive had gotten um, she'd gotten trapped because she was punchying off the umbilical cord her ankle had found itself twisted on, on the umbilical cord so it was why it was proving to be a little bit tricky so Emma was tired, I was tired. We, we went for the epidural and she rested and we both rested and at that point um, she, was, she was ready to, um, to give birth. But Rose, my mother-in-law, said, come and see what your wife is doing. And in that process, yeah, okay, it's not the greatest of sights, I'll be honest. But to know the work that was going on gave me every bit of ounce of encouragement to stand with my wife, to hold her hand through that process and go, come on girl, we can do this. And in the space of a number of few minutes, our beautiful daughter was born. But I use that as an example because the, the very thing of, of recognising that when it's business time, <laughs> when it's time and, and the, the rubber hits the road, that we will be people, we will be Christians, we will be believers that stand side by side with God when he says, I'm encouraging you, I'm lifting you, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you to walk by faith and in this situation by sight to see that I am the faithful God. Fifthly, peace starts with praise and it ends with praise. Praise. I love how as Jehoshaphat receives the word from the Lord through Jehaziel, he and the people bow down in worship to God and some stand to praise with a loud voice. Jehoshaphat then appoints particular people to worship at the head of the army as they start to head out the following morning to meet against these three vast armies. And worship is that catalyst to see that the Lord then ambushes against the enemy. It says, as they began to sing and worship, the Lord began to set traps. And then they then assemble in the valley of Barakar once they've uh, observed this incredible miracle in which God has caused the armies to fight amongst themselves. They assemble in the valley of Barakar, which means to praise, to thank God for his faithfulness and his provision. Continuing all the way back to Jerusalem and into the temple of God. And, uh, you know, I love praise. I love worship. I, I leave worship at, at my church. And, and the key thing for me that stands above anything is that in each circumstance that I face, if ever there comes a point where I feel as though I'm doubting in the Lord, I'll head straight to worship. I'll head straight to praise. I could be ironing, I could be doing anything which is was mundane, but anything that tries to rob me of that peace, i head to worship, i head to praise. And I've had that recently in my own life, sort of various things financially that are, that are going on and, and there's those times where I have to say, look, Lord, <laughs> Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand, and everything around is sh- shaking. I've never been more glad because I put my faith in Jesus. He's never led me down. Faithful through every generation. So why would he fail now? He won't. And in that place of recognizing the promises and the faithfulness of God, we can come to know him better. I've got a a great friend, John Bosher. This is uh, me taking a photo with our senior leader, Chris. John's just recently gone into hospital, we found out last week, because of a heart failure. And um, we're all slightly shocked by by the account. He's got to have st- st- uh, stents put in. He's just recently had a, a pacemaker put into his arm. So he's in a moment of, of, of discomfort. But I tell you, you can't rob him of that smile, which is on his face. Uh, he's 80, 81. And um, <laughs> we're in the... We're in the um, uh, in, in his room with him and um, you know just out of, out of nowhere he just breaks out and we have an anchor <laughs> you know the words <laughs> that keeps my soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the saviour's love nothing could stop him <laughs> in that space of worshipping and praising God and in fact he's he just finds any opportunity to evangelize to the nurses (laughs) and the people that are on the ward but that's his nature that's despite trial despite this this situation where he he was faint and and he was just he was in a bible um um bible club and he just fell faint and his brother took care of him to take him to the hospital and all these things are, are going on in his life. There's, we're praying over a lesion, which they found just behind his ear at the moment. And yet his his desire, his posture, is to always remain in worship, always remain in praise of his incredible God. And uh, he'll in fact be coming home tomorrow uh, from the hospital, which we praise God for, and continue just to pray for him in uh, in that. Um, it's just beautiful, incredible to, to see. And then lastly... I love the fact that declared testimony establishes perfect peace. You know, when they heard, it's talking about the surrounding nations, when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Judah, the fear of the Lord came on all of them. Jehoshaphat and the kingdom were at peace, for God had given his rest on all sides. And I think, church, today, you know, we need to get into the habits of testifying to the incredible peace that God offers. Because not only does it declare the the nature of who God is, but it reminds us that we live in relationship with a God who desires us to be at perfect peace despite the storms. And what would happen here in Hornchurch? If each of us individually, in our own circles, amongst our friends, our workplaces, our children, our peers, were testifying to the peace that God is giving us, despite everything that we see on BBC News, despite everything that we read, despite even our own circumstances. Once again, it's okay to be alarmed, because the Lord says so, even through his word. Jehoshaphat was alarmed but our heart's desire is that we wouldn't be crippled by fear but that we would allow ourselves to inquire of the Lord to seek him first what is it that you are wanting to do in my heart, what is it that you're wanting to do in my situation to show that you are bigger than anything that comes against me wonder if you'd stand with me let' just close our eyes I just want to read that scripture again over us from John 14 and just take this uh, this moment this this opportunity to maybe just think of areas in which fear and trepidation is is causing you to uh, to stumble in your relationship with God what I love about when we give him time and when we give him space, is that he is faithful to, to deal with that. And in this space, just imagining that we are like one of those disciples that are sitting with Christ and hearing these words, I pray that revelation of, of what it is that Christ was saying to them would hit us now as opposed to having to wait to go through the trials and, and tribulations and the fear and coming out the other side to recognize that the spirit is with us so just with every eye closed and head bowed lord we give you space to minister into our circumstances and our situations we praise you that you're a faithful god a god of covenant a god of relationship god of intimacy You won't leave us where we are, Lord. But you call us to perfect peace. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Thank you, Jesus, that you did not leave us alone when you ascended to heaven. But the gift of your Father, the Holy Spirit, is here with us now. And I thank you for each and every individual. I thank you for this body of believers that you have called them to stand firm upon the foundation of your gospel that says we can be a people of peace in times of trouble. And I pray that this place would be filled with testimony and filled with uh, new people coming into this place because they've witnessed The peace that has rested upon the individuals of this community that can say, I've I've earnestly inquired of the Lord, I've spent time in his presence and he reveals in all things that he is faithful, that he is in control and that I can rest assured upon his plans over my own plans. Thank you for the work which you're doing in this place this morning, Lord. And we just pray that even as we marinate on what it is that you've declared over us and in us today, that that will become our reality, a revealed posture for each believer today. In Jesus' name.